Unedited with Cameron Strang is brought to you by World Vision's upcoming Global 6K for Water. It's a one-day event on May 4th where people from all over the world walk and run 6K in their own neighborhoods to bring lasting clean water to children in need. Find out more and sign up at worldvision6k.org. I'm Cameron Strang, and welcome to Unedited. My guest today is rapper and producer Andy Minio. Andy's had a slew of Billboard charting records and sold out tours across the US and Europe. His colossal hit song, You Can't Stop Me, not only won an ESPN Whammy Award for Major League Baseball's top walk-up song, but it also went gold. His most recent project is a four-chapter EP that, taken together, will culminate into his third LP. So far, he's released the first two chapters, The Arrow and The Sword. Before that, he dropped an album with words played called Magic and Bird. I love that one because it's dripping with basketball references. When Andy came through the Relevant studio last week, he was on the last leg of the huge Unashamed Forever tour with the whole Reach Records crew that he's part of. Lecrae, KB, Tadashi, Trip Lee, and others. We talked about his story coming up in Syracuse, New York, how he got his break in music, and as a self-professed sneakerhead, what he thinks about the Preachers and Sneakers Instagram account that's been getting attention the last few weeks. You don't want to miss what he has to say. Well, without any further ado, here is my conversation with Andy Minio, unedited. Well, I got the steamer I bring the fire, but you never seen her I testify, I don't need a subpoena They want my soul better go to Korea I love my dog just like I'm Peter Gotta Well, thanks for doing this like Yo, I'm dude, I'm excited It's been a long time coming Tell us about the tour This is a huge tour, unashamed that you guys Yeah, are doing. well, you know, we did this tour a bunch Like in the past um, Unashamed tour was basically a Reach Records label tour right. And we did, you know, we started off Uh doing it and then and then we did it consecutively and then we were like let's let's leverage the momentum that we have to go like do something besides just put on a tour so we went to africa and we hit like a particular window in africa for two weeks that just is completely underserved and basically like did it for free essentially wow Uh, that was in 2012 i think and then 2013 we did um unashamed lockdown where the tour just only went through federal prisons and so we went to uh, uh, New York prisons, LA prisons, um, LA County, you know, all that stuff. And we would put on shows there. Um, and then we did it, you know, so we did a few. And then everybody essentially, there was like a, a season in time when everyone was like, all right, we're going to just build our own careers outside mm-hmm. of this like collective unit. Mm-hmm. And so everyone went off. So for the last five years, people didn't tour together right. um, like that. Um And we were just like, yo, I think there's still a demand for this. Mm -hmm. And there's kind of a thing that people miss in Mm -hmm. like the unity. Like they miss that, like, yo, I want to see all the guys together again. Because we came out in such a clicky way, you know. Mm -hmm. So we were like, let's see. Let's see if there's still momentum there, if people still want this. We put it up and I think every show sold out besides like one or two. That's crazy. So it's just doing really well, man. And and I think the guys are reinvigorated, excited again to be like, 
all right, we have the voice uh, of a culture. We have momentum. Why don't we use this for good and see how we can leverage it? And so we're thinking through a lot of that stuff now, like what it could be. Like beyond even just this tour? Yeah, maybe like make it annual. Nice. Maybe throw in a conference or something, like some sort of like Super Bowl of like faith and culture together that like that could feed into each other. Yeah. You know, and just kind of, we have so many relationships that it's like, what if we wired this thing together? Like what if, what if it turns into like, I don't know, a festival or something or like, it's not just these artists from the label, but other people who have been demonstrating and being vocal about their faith, but aren't in that. Dude, sign circle. us up. Get relevant involved. We'll do it. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's do it. It'd be tight. Like, There's I, a I need for see, something like, like that. Tori Kelly, Chance the Rapper, Justin Bieber, like these guys we have relationships with and stuff. Yeah. Like, why don't y'all come for the weekend for the festival and make it like, because there's nothing like that. Right. You, you can have Kanye's Sunday morning thing. Do Kanye Sunday morning thing, have it come. Like, <laughs> I just think it would be, no, nah, I think it, because people are more, I think, open to exploring and talking about faith yeah. now than ever because it was so like under wraps for such a long time. Right. Why is that? Well, one, um, kind of the way I've noticed artwork like in a, in like a cyclical thing. It's the same thing with fashion. Like fashion goes in circles. It, it has times when stuff isn't cool. Now it is cool. Or it takes certain people to, to make it cool. And you know, it comes all around over and over again. It's kind of like that with art. It's like whatever the least cool thing is, that's what's probably going to come next. You just got to give it time. Example, Old Town Road, this <laughs> song, which is a country rap song. It's like, it was a matter of time before the least cool thing yeah. would be brought to the front. And that's the way trends and all that stuff work anyway. So I don't know. I also think, yeah, so faith was like a super uncool thing right. for a long time. And then I think guys in the spotlight go, I'm going to highlight this and kind of make it cool or make it more mainstay in the conversation. Um, and I also, I genuinely think like that we live in such a world that is so, um, what do you call it? Like, almost like anti-faith mm-hmm. that like, I think people just kind of got sick of it. Yeah. You know, and people were like, no, there's gotta be more than like Instagram and fame and money. And these things. And I think people start exploring those things um, a lot more because I, as much as we have, it's insane to see how much American people have, but how little they are satisfied. Mm-hmm. And I think we're getting to like a self implosion point. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I think it's interesting if you guys pull off this like festival idea where it's like you guys and go get some of the, you know, chance and Bieber and all that too, you won't get pushed back from their fans, but y'all will get pushed back from Christian hip hop fans. Don't you think? Sure. Some of them. It's nice to know that things have evolved over the years. Yeah. Like, cause it that, used to be yeah. hardcore us versus them almost Absolutely Christian no. hip hop. Versus sellout hip hop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? And it was a very much like rah rah, self righteous, kind of like loud, boisterous thing uh, that was very, I think, pharisaical in a mm-hmm. lot of ways. Like, we're right, you're wrong, and built a lot more barriers than we did bridges in the early, earlier years. But, you know, I think over time, people have understood our position and what's going on. And you start doing collaborations with guys outside of your space. And people understand what's going on. They're like, oh, 
there's an intentionality to that. And yeah, I think people have just warmed up to it more over the years. That's it's interesting. I mean, we've seen the shift too. I mean, when we started relevant, I mean, it's back in 03 was our first issue. And it, the, the divide versus the sacred and the secular was immense. And I'm like, it's not real life. I mean, like we're going to church on Sunday and we're listening to the radio. I mean, why can't mm-hmm. we talk about this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, is we, you know, our generation didn't shop in Christian bookstores and stuff. And, yeah, and it was yeah. just like, it seemed like we didn't belong in either camp or whatever, you know, strong about our faith, but we're engaging culture. We're discerning. We, why can't we talk about it? I yeah. think it's interesting now that's not as much of a divide yeah. or an issue, you know? It's just like anything. With um, with time, people come around to realize how ridiculous some of these things are. Like, I didn't know that like Sam Cooke and some of these other guys who have like these incredibly inspiring songs were being crucified mm-hmm. in that era because they were too worldly. Aretha like, Franklin like, grew up in the church and they and when she decided to sing the devil's music, the church turned their back on her. And you listen to that music now and you're like, what were y'all mad about? For like, real. you know what I'm saying? Like, y'all are mad about R-E-S-P-C-T, like, respect me as like a powerful <laughs> woman. They're like, oh, how dare you yeah. say those things? You're like, what? So I think that's kind of what we had to realize as our place in history is in a few years, people will probably laugh at the at the ridicule we've endured for just doing things like making a song with Ty Dolla Sign called Blessings. And just being grateful for the blessings that God has given you. You know what I'm saying? It's like, how dare you? And you're like, literally what? played in the car on the way here. I picked up my son from school mm-hmm. and his buddy, and I just had on the hip hop station, and blessings was on. Yeah. And, and, and the kid in the backseat goes, Did you put on the Christian hip hop station? I was like, No, dude, that's just the hip hop station. Isn't that cool? Yeah. You know, look crazy on mainstream hip hop. Right. And, uh, and, and and the kid goes, I, this was the first music video I ever saw. Like I saw two years ago, whatever. And I go, you know, I'm in that music video by accident. Literally, I'm in that music video. The whole premise was a family reunion at the house. Uh-huh. And if you look, there's this white dude on the porch talking to prop the whole time. And it's me. I was just there hanging well, out with that. prop. And I'm in, I ended up in the Ty Dolla Sign video. I'm like, well, there you go. You're royalty, bro. I'm royalty. And it, which the kid didn't believe me. I showed him a picture and then they just made fun of me the whole time. So the white guy great, at the family reunion. Um, so tell me about, you grew up in Syracuse. Mm-hmm. Tell me, tell me what that was like. Tell me about life growing up. Growing up in Syracuse uh, is very like blue collar, very small city. You know what I'm saying? Basically, the biggest thing we have going on there is the Syracuse Orangemen. So, you know, athletics, like uh, college athletics and the Carousel Mall, which is now Destiny USA, which was supposed to be like the savior of Syracuse. An enormous mall that was- Like Mall of America? Yeah, like, yeah. like I think it might be bigger than Mall of America now. Or Mall of America expanded to try to keep the title of biggest mall. No way. Because Destiny USA was coming for it. Lo and behold, it is an enormous, enormous mall, but it did not move the needle for Syracuse because it just created a bunch of really low-paying jobs, Mm -hmm. right? Just more low-paying jobs. And there's no excitement from New York City and all these other areas that they thought it would be to like, people are going to bus in and like, you know, take the the coach train up to spend the day at... So anyways, it's a a pretty poor city economically. it's very, uh, very mixed city. Like, so I went, I went to Henniger High School, um, and I think I was the only white kid on my basketball team. I was one of three kids on the football team that were white, 
And so, you know, it's just, it's an, it's an urban inner city. Um, and then it has like, a, you know, like most cities, suburbs and a lot of divide there. But it's, a, it's an underserved city and there's a lot of creativity there. Hmm. A lot of creativity there, especially uh, because of the college. And then there's just a lot of really great artists who hone their craft, but they really don't have any outlets hmm. for their craft. Um, and so there's just like a lot of talent just sitting around that just really goes unrecognized. And uh, so I knew when I graduated high school, I was like, I'm leaving this city. I'm going straight to New York City. I want to be there. And, um, you know, I was able to take all that time and energy and my 10,000 hours and go to a place where there's a little bit more opportunity. So you honed your craft in high school, though. I mean, you were. Yeah, like. You knew this is what you wanted to do. I did. You know, I started off, um, me and my my best friend, Ryan, like basically uh, hacked some computer programs, took some computer microphones you could buy from Best Buy and started to record ourselves on like Cool Edit, Fruity Loops, all these things. Yeah. And then I started saving birthday and Christmas money to buy better microphones, better speakers. And before you knew it, I was like 13, 14 years old. And I built a little studio in my apartment with a birth, uh, birthday Christmas money. And a kid was like, yo, can you record me? I'll give you 10 bucks an hour. And I started recording him and then the word spread. And before you know it, I'm 16, 17 years old running a, um, a studio for $30 an hour out of my mom's basement, you know, built, rebuilt the studio down there. And I did that all through high school, made tons of money and reinvested in myself. So all those hours, I'd get out of school, I'd get out of football practice, I'd come home and I'd record people for like six hours. So engineering, mixing, recording, writing raps, doing my own stuff all through high school. And then I went to college for it. And then all through college, I was doing the same thing. I was turning my class projects into my personal projects and, you know, just honing it, honing it. That's I, People kind of, I think they have this like idea of like their big break or whatever. Like they just like, they're going to get handed a, free pass or he, he get the oh, opportunity boy. just like here's a contract it's like no you you start when you were 13 yep. crawl walk run you just kind of keep hustling that absolutely that's what everybody needs to do you know yes. i mean if you got a dream to do something put one you want to run a marathon take one step get yeah. going you know don't Go wait 10 years don't get wait for an invitation you know absolutely. that's huge yeah and i and I, and honestly like i was bad like i look <laughs> back and i listen i was like yo Dude, everybody's bad when they start. Writer. Yeah. But and then it's so you get, discouraging because you see people on Instagram or wherever and they're so good at something and you're just like, how come I can't be that good in a week, you know? And right. people get discouraged and they they tap out. But um, yeah, it takes a lot of time. But back then we didn't have access to, you know, I think, I think Instagram, I think social media is, you know, it causes so much like anxiety. Uh, depression from you know comparison mm -hmm. and like i'm not as pretty as or i'm not as rich as or i'm not as talented as yep. and your feed is all these people who you can't keep up with and then you feel bad about yourself but god god's given each of us something yep. that's unique and yep. i feel like that comparison trap holds a lot of people back you know a million percent that's what the song i ain't done that i made off my project the arrow that came out last year I was dealing with anxiety and depression in a way I never, like I had a mental, like a snap. And I think I'm realizing like social media is going to be the cigarettes of 20 years from now mm. or the porn of 20 years from wow. now. Wow. Where 
when it came out, everyone was like, look at this great thing. There was, I mean, people were smoking cigarettes everywhere, bro. Like, they were on, like, I remember looking at a, ma- a magazine, like an old magazine. It was like a guy playing baseball with his son smoking a cigarette and like holding his kid with a cigarette around. Yeah. It was just like, this is it. This is cool. And then you're like, oh, by the way, 20 years later, we found out it's killing everybody. I, I literally I, was listening today. Today is the 60-year anniversary of when they announced the uh, Mercury 7, the seven astronauts that were going to go to the moon, right? And the oh, press yeah. conference where they introduced the seven guys, four of them were smoking. And one of the reporters asked, like, what are they going to do up in space if they can't, like, get, sit through a press conference without smoking, you know? But, I mean, that's how different, how, how times change, yeah. And we're like, oh, we're giving our kids phones, letting them have screen time for six hours a day, and... Nobody thinks anything of it. It's like, oh, your whole kid's brain has been rewired. We don't find that out till later. I feel like, or porn, same thing with that is like, you know, I mean, it's always been a, what's it called? Taboo. But now we're finding out the effects of it. It's like really messing up people's brain, like rewiring their brain. Um, So I kind of feel like social media is going to be doing that. And I watched like a video the other day of some of the guys who helped uh, curate and create Facebook feeds, like the way that it, it keeps on giving you new content every time you swipe up and the way they organize that to to mimic what happens in a casino where you lose track of time and you get kind of locked in. And the guys who help create that are like, I don't use it at all. I carry around a ton of guilt because of this. Mm. Like this is tearing apart the fabric of our society. You're like, what? I was. This is deep. I was uh, listening to, it was around, it was like two, three weeks ago and it was NBA commissioner Adam Silver was being interviewed by Bill Simmons. And, Humble flex. Humble flex. And, uh, and Adam Silver was saying that, I mean, he's been in the NBA 30 years, you know, and he said this generation of players are legitimately like, they have issues with anxiety and depression in a way that he's never seen before. And he like, he attached it to social media. Absolutely. It's crazy. I don't doubt that for half a second. There's never been such a direct correlation to be, between anxiety and depression and the rise of social media. Like, it, the writing's on the wall, in my opinion. And it's weird because it's, it seems like a necessary evil. Like, I'm an artist. I benefit off the fact that people are on social media and I get to share information with them like that. Before, I needed a big label. I needed a marketing company. I needed magazines. I needed the inroads and the gatekeepers to let me in. Now I can do that because of social media. I can connect with them. So there's tremendous good from it. But even on my phone, bro, I got the, um, I got the time, like the timed lock screen thing. Like, mm-hmm. yo, I sat an hour a day. And every single day I'm hitting that like, yo, you rent, you hit the limit. Mm-hmm. I'm like, wow. That's I have to try to put limits on myself yeah. because I know I'll just waste my brain away. Healthy boundaries. You know, man. I'm taking a dump and I, you know, two hours later, I'm That's a long dump. wiped. I'm locked in, dog. <laughs> I'm in there. I'm going to run up the school. Run it up. Yeah. Run up the school. I'm going to need a few more. Yeah. And I'm talking about 25, 25, 25, ay. 35, 35, 35, ay. Can't stop, can't stop, gotta be great. Ain't nobody safe, my run up the score. Where'd you love a basketball come from? My love for basketball came from playing as a kid. Yeah. And and one mixtapes were big. At oh the yeah. Time. <laughs> Who was so, your guy? The professor. You know, professor. already know. Hot sauce was big at the time. Um skip to my Lou. Skip to my Lou. So I was just watching those and emulating at the basketball court. 
And honestly, I think that's, if someone had asked me, hey, you have an hour to do anything you want to do, put me on a basketball court. For real. It's like my birthday, my bachelor party, I was like, make sure we get a gym. I want to play ball. It's the, just my favorite thing in the world, man. Do you, I, when you're on the road, how do you just like hotels? I mean, like, how do you yeah, stay? Yeah, no, playing? when we're on the road, a lot of the venues have had basketball courts or, you know, YMCA's down the road and stuff. So we get some guys together and go shoot. You nice. see it on my Instagram, they're over there. But uh, love basketball and, you know, it's something that you can just pick up anywhere. It's worldwide. You know, you bring a ball and you go to a court anywhere and you can connect with people and have fun. There's an unspoken language. Yeah. It's unspoken communication, cutting, picking, rolling. If you know the fundamentals, you yeah. get in a rhythm with people. It's a beautiful game. And I'm also very in love with sneakers and like the actual craft of sneaker making, design, how technology and fabrics and rubbers are intentionally and thoughtfully crafted in a way to support an athlete and their movements. Like I really think sneaker stores are the art gallery for the poor. Hmm. Like you walk in and you see all these beautiful pieces of art displayed and showcased on a wall and you can pick it up and touch it and look at it and pull the fabrics and know that these were designed and colored and created by really brilliant people. Um, and so my love for sneakers is like a weird thing. It's not yeah. just a vanity, but it's like an actual art form. I'm the same way. I've loved sneakers forever. And then have you seen the Instagram account Preachers and Sneakers? Oh, brother. <laughs> Have That's I? That's changing the conversation a little Boy, bit. Boy, yeah, I got, I've been getting some, because I know a lot of those guys. Me too. Personal friends Dude, I've been talking to Carl Lentz all day today about it. I mean, like. Really? Yeah, man. Tell me what Carl Lentz is saying about preaching. Carl. Because he's getting Carl, roasted there, Carl probably, and I right? were talking, we've talked at him. for about the last week nonstop about it. And um, today he talked to the dude behind the account. Okay. And he was telling me about the conversation. Um, what was the dude's thing behind the account? He just was. So he's, he's like up for commentary? an He's like, yeah. I mean, he's young. His, his wife is, works for a church. And so he's a sneakerhead. And so he started to just notice it because sneakerheads notice sneakers. Oh, yeah. And so, and he knew what his wife made. And he was just like, huh. And so he threw the account up a couple of weeks ago as a joke with his buddies for his buddies and it just took off. Right. And, oh. and now he is, I mean, he's, it, he's in over his head. I mean, today's show called him. Uh, oh. I mean, I mean like national media, like crazy New York times just hit me up about it. It's crazy. And so Carl, oh. Carl to his credit, Carl immediately like one to talk to Jamie Torkowski is a buddy of mine. He's been, uh, he leads an organization called to write love on arms. He's been kind of like vocal. He's been, he's been bashing them. Not uh -huh. bashing. Let me, uh -huh. let me say that. He's been vocal about uh -huh. like y'all are wrong. For uh -huh. this. I had, I had Jamie's a buddy and Jamie's a sneakerhead too. Like we go to magic games and he's sitting there like, Oh, pointing out like every yeah, single, yeah. Oh, yeah. you know? And so it, it, we had Jamie on the podcast. We had prop on the podcast and we talked about it just from an outsider's perspective. Well, Carl, I got Carl and Jamie in touch with each other because they, I wanted them to talk. And then Carl got in touch with the dude behind the account too. Carl's um, on one hand listening and on the other hand, like, you know, uh, put, who are you to judge? Sure. You know absolutely. what I mean? And so Carl's perspective, I'm not going to, you know, say on podcast what he said, I won't put words in his mouth, but he has a uh, interesting perspective on it. I mean, he's kind of going, where's the line? I mean, you can't judge the heart. 
And that's where it gets sticky. It's like, oh, you went to Red Lobster? Well, you could have gone to Taco Bell and given the money to the poor. Mm -hmm. So who are you to say that? You know what I mean? So like, it, it really, it's messy. It's messy. But I will say this, because I've been talking about it on tour with the guys. So if y'all don't know, this is an account that, you know, shows preachers, like famous preachers, and then uh, the sneakers that they're wearing and how much those sneakers cost at resale value. Resale value, which, which is, is not, another, that is totally misleading. Which is very misleading because these sneakers could be $200 and they could resell for $1,100, $1,200, whatever, which is very common, $5,000 even. Um, so we've been talking about, it and I said, okay, but there is a point when you can say, all right, the guy who likes the $40 sketcher or whatever, he thinks the $200 Jordan or like this sneaker right here, 180 bucks. And I think I, I got these for free. I have a, yeah, whatever. I was gifted these. Right. That guy thinks I'm a lunatic for owning this $200 pair of shoes, Right. Because he's like, yo, $40 sketches. What more do you need? Mm -hmm. The kid who's getting the free Tom shoes in a poor underserved community and, and country is like, how do y'all got $40 shoes? Mm -hmm. Right? The, the guy who's wearing the $1,500 shoe, you know, from that's the resale value is looking at the, the guy with Giuseppe's or whatever. He's like, how y'all paid 15000 for those shoes? And it becomes a very, you know, subjective thing. But I will say that at a certain point, you objectively, everyone says that's an expensive pair of shoes. Right? So you, you have to ask that question, like where is the line? I want to remind you that this episode of Unedited is brought to you by World Vision and their upcoming Global 6K for Water. It's a one-day event on May 4th where people from all over the world walk and run 6K in their own neighborhoods to bring lasting clean water to children in need. Not many people know this, but World Vision is the number one provider of clean water in Africa. So there's no better organization to get behind, and this is a perfect event to help raise money to make a difference. Why is it 6K? Six kilometers is the average distance women and kids in the developing world walk for clean water. Every step you take is one they'll no longer have to. The event takes place on May 4th. The whole relevant team is running it and we love for you to run it with us. Now, you don't have to be athletic. Everyone can participate. Whether you're in Los Angeles, Dallas, Minneapolis, or anywhere else in the country, you can find a group to join or even host your own group like the relevant staff is doing here in Orlando. Search for groups in your area or find out how to host your own at worldvision6k.org. Sign up today. Now, back to the conversation. Here's Andy Minio. You're a rap artist. Yeah. That's different than a pastor. That's true. A messenger of the gospel. That's true. In a way that like, I think, and Carl told me this. He said, hey, listen, we can all agree optics matter. You know, we need to, we need to you know, behind the scenes, he goes, I call guys out all the time. Like, dude, why are you flossing that Gucci belt on? Why are you wearing that? That's ridiculous. Come on, man. You look ridiculous. And, and he's like, optics do matter. And if you're on stage, you need to be aware of what you are saying non-verbally, yeah. you know what I mean? About what, you're, where you, what you value and yeah. things like that. And he's like, so yeah, I mean, course correction in that respect, this is healthy, but public shaming is not healthy. Who, you know, literally creating things to cast stones and incite a cynicism yeah. is, is a difficult position yeah. to be into. But I, would those people have listened if this account didn't grow up? Right. 
know what I'm saying? Then it's like, now right. you got to deal with it because right. it's here right. as opposed to what it had been dealt with. Right. If it didn't, and have- it's exposing the heart issues. Yes. Who's humble? Who's listening? Who's going to put their foot down and and pride? Well, and both, you know, you know. I, so I know, like Rich Wilkerson, right? Like as a buddy of mine, like I love that dude, like genuinely an incredible guy, right? Like, hang out with him, like I just love you, like. Right. And we get to talk, you know, because we have mutual friends, like some like really f- like famous friends or whatever. Like, yo, I don't know how to do this. Like, I don't. know. I don't know how to do some of these these things because one part of you just wants to be like, yo, get your crap together. But the other part is like, you want to be gentle and patient with people as they're growing and going through their stuff and learning. And and then you get kind of get caught in the middle by being friends with them or whatever the, the case is. So, mm-hmm. I you know, a lot of people deal with this who do big public things like Kirk Franklin. He came out to the show in Texas the other day in Dallas and we were just hanging backstage and I got to talk a whole bunch about like, just this Kanye situation that, you know, he's he's cool with dude. They worked on music together and he gets a chance to be an influence in his life. But if you don't know the whole story, people just make one up. Mm-hmm. And so, you don't know, the whole story, you just make one up and, and stuff gets made up. And then you got to, what are you going to do? You're going to run to the media and defend yourself and then put your relationship with that person on the line. You know, it, so it's just a sticky thing, man. Um and I know uh, Rich Wells, the, the, to get back to that, it's like, I know this dude is getting free stuff. Mm-hmm. Like that dude lives on a humble, like a, a, a humble salary, but just because of the people who love him and say, thank you so much for the work that you do. And I feel so blessed. Let me bless you. Mm-hmm. And they give him sneakers, right. you know, clothes. He's not out there buying that stuff. 90% of that stuff is given to him. That's the thing that, you know, when we were talking on the podcast, it was kind of like, what are we offended about the public? What is the public offended about? That these pastors are spending church money on this stuff? Well then, okay, okay yeah. that's you're looking at resale. If he bought it, it's 150. Maybe he was gifted it. Is it okay if yeah. it, he was gifted it? Because I can look at the feed and 90% of them were gifted. I mean, I know it. I know. Right. I know right. for sure. Right. He's friends with Jerry Lorenzo. Right. He sends him uh all the fear of God. Stuff. Fear of God. Any, and that stuff is on that feed. Any fear expensive. of God was gifted. Any fear yes. of God was gifted. Any Saint Laurent was gifted. I don't know about all the the off whites. I don't know about Virgil. I don't know if he's gifted. Yep. But you know, also the well, other sometimes thing. Sometimes it's it's people in the congregation. That's right. Or they're they're just like, hey, I know you like. They want to bless the man fashion. of God. Let me give this to you. I love what you do. I know you. Be, I was bro. We showed up at a meet and greet yesterday, and uh-huh. a kid pulled up and he pulled out some Bugs Bunnies, some like. You know, some right. Jordans and was like, who's a nine and a half? I just want to gift them to you because y'all music means the world to me. Yeah. That's the question. Are we upset about the money, the flashiness, the thing? What is it? And if you read the comments, which don't because they're crazy, oh, it's all it's the above. Popcorn, my friend. It's all the above. It's like people yeah. are saying, you know, if, if a minister is wearing anything that, other than a black robe and a collar, they're sinning. It's materialistic. Yeah, and they're yeah, saying, well, they should give, they should sell them and give the money to the poor. They should, you know, I mean, everybody has an opinion yeah. and they're judging the people yes. based on a perception yes. versus knowing them or knowing their heart. And my hope is that you would have just as much anger or like relentlessness towards the own crap you need to deal with in your life. Come on. In your life. That's my biggest thing. It's Plank like, in yo, the eye. if you want to, if you want to dump on anybody else, then you should be just as eager to do that to yourself, but you're not because anyone who was actually course correcting themselves would know that this is a hard life to live, to mm-hmm. be faithful and to be true. So why would I get on anybody else for trying to navigate that as well? And so 
it is a very, I, I'm glad that the conversation is at least happening. Absolutely. That, that's what these things in culture do is that's to right. bring us to talk about them. Um, but there's not, there's usually not a consistency, you know, in the, uh, in the criticism, right. you know what I'm saying? Well, the, this, this issue to me is like, this raises the issue of I can look at you and since your uh, reality Public. is different yep. than mine, I can judge yours. Mm -hmm. But all of us, whether you're a college kid making $10,000 working minimum wage part-time or you make a million dollars a year as a CEO, all of us have margin and impact that we could yeah. Spend on others that yeah. we could. So this, to me, the good of this conversation is let's all step back and hold the mirror up to ourselves. Yeah. And let's kind of realign our own lives before we publicly shame other believers Absolutely. as well. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and I think the trickiest part of it is what you said. It's just that it's a hard thing, bro. Yeah. Like once you get into that territory, you have to deal with the fact that you are now judging people's hearts and motives, which is impossible to do. And, you know, my buddy said it to me one time and I just agree with it. It's like, you really, when you try to expose other people, you expose yourself. Mm. You really show who you are in your attempts to try to show who other people are. And so that's just a, a fine line to walk. That's what Carl, like when he reached out to the guy behind the account, he was like, he's a sweetheart. Like he's a kid who just like, is it was sincerely was just, Asking a question, and then he got swept up in all this. Yeah. But he's a sweetheart, and he's like, God's got something for him. He's going to change the world. Like, you know what I mean? He was like affirming, and he was like building the guy up and stuff. And hopefully, you know, I I hope what this ultimately does is not divide the church, but hopefully, will expose heart issues to hopefully strengthen the church. Yeah, eventually. Yeah, that's a hope. It's a hope. It's not happening yet, but we'll get hopefully. We got get bad PR a lot of times. <laughs> <laughs> really bad. PR. How do you handle that though? Like, how do you handle being up on stage and, you know, you've been a public figure, people know your social media, mm -hmm. they don't know you, but they judge. They judge you based on your art. They judge you based on your style. They judge you based on whatever you put out there. How do you handle that? I don't know if people, human beings, were meant to get this amount of praise or criticism. Mm. I just don't think our brains are hardwired to receive that much praise or criticism. And I think what ends up happening is when you're receiving that many comments, that many likes, that many DMs, messages, blah, 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 blah people want your attention, X, Y, Z, you either need to reject it to maintain a normal or it needs to become your new normal. Mm. And in becoming your new normal, you can um, kind of go nuts. You know what I'm saying? So like the new normal is, Everybody can reach out to me. And I, you know, depending on how I deal with it internally, I feel a sense of obligation or guilt that I have to respond or whatever. And so that can, if it becomes your new normal, it can drive you nuts. I watched this Whitney Houston documentary yesterday and it was insane. I recommend you watch it. There was a moment in there where they talked about, you have to decide whether or not your artist self is an extension of who you really are. Or if you are just an extension of who your artist self is, mm. right? Like, and I think that is a very sobering question. Am I, Andy, the people who know me outside of music, is who I am as a person extension of my public persona? Or is it the other way around? Which I think it should be. Because when your identity gets rooted in the public persona, you literally lose who you are. And- 
you become a performance-based individual because now your net worth or your market value becomes your value. And the, the, the reality is as an artist, uh, you know, I'm making product and that product has value on it. I go to this market and I'm worth 2000 tickets. Drake goes to this market and he's worth 60,000 tickets, right? We literally have a different value. Hmm. But as human beings, we don't have a different value mm-hmm. as our personhood. I'm made in the image of God and I'm valuable and so are you. And therefore we are an even playing field. But when it comes to us being these products, we do have different value. So if you put yourself in that shoe as your primary um, you know, identity, then all you can do is compare and feel bad and feel less than. Um, and it's a never ending game, bro. So it's a... Uh, it's a tricky thing to navigate, to separate those things and try to remember what's most important. Um, and, and a really cruel thing about wanting the love of the world is that it will turn on you so quick. Mm. Just think about how beloved and praised all of these people were, these artists. And the moment that they do something wrong or they make a mistake publicly, they are shattered SNL's making skits about you. They're laughing at you. They're, um, instead of using, like when Whitney Houston had a drug addiction and an issue and she's public about it and everyone sees what's going on, nobody's reaching out to help. They're finding out, oh man, this is going to be a great story for our magazine. This is going to be a great sketch for SNL. You know, you're literally using time, effort, energy, and money to laugh at people. Mm. And it's because they're a big target. And I'm like, yo, this is such a cruel and messed up world that to long and live your life to perform for the approval of this world is so frivolous and empty because it literally will hate you the moment that you mess up and criticize you and take advantage of your your low moments. So it's um it's a weird thing like as I as I deal with how how to process and work with that public persona being scrutinized or praised I have to work through it with people like my wife who like really keep me grounded. She's like, I don't care about none of that. Use it, <laughs> leverage it for what we need to, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But Andy, you got to stay intact as a human and recognize that this artist extension is it just an extension of who you are. Don't let it be the other way around. So so last question, why why do you keep doing it? Keep why do you doing music? Yeah, why do you keep living a public life like that? Yeah, well- some of it is now it's handed to me, not handed to me. It's um inescapable. Mm. So I go out to dinner, you know, I show up somewhere like sat down to have dinner at and yesterday and I got stopped three times for pictures. That's not in my control. You mm. know what I'm saying? Like it happened. It's already, I'm public. Um, the guy came over, he paid for my meal. And I was like, this is great. You know, mm. I like, there's a lot of perks, a lot of benefits to it as well. Um, but it has become a bit of a new normal for me. Like, mm. okay, I'm a public figure. And now I just need to decide how I'm going to utilize that mm. or leverage that, you know? And you can utilize it for selfish, selfish gain or you can try to utilize it for the good of other people. Use it as a platform to bring new people on like my boy Words played. You know, I have this platform and I did a collab album with him and he just got out the Navy and... Now everyone knows who he is. You know what I'm saying? He's getting to be an artist full time. Um, and I'm glad I was able to do that for him. You know, start a label. Um, I was able to employ some of my best friends. I work with my best friends and give them good salaries. And, you know, like 
there's a lot of good. Um, but also because I just love being an artist, you know, and this is some of the uh, territory that it comes with, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. To be an artist. You want your music, people to buy your music and for it to pay for you to not have to work a nine to five, but focus on making art. And it needs to be bought and purchased in front of enough people that they're also going to recognize you and make your life a little different. Oh, I'm glad you're doing it, man. I'm a fan. I'm glad Thank you're out there making it. Thanks, man. And uh, thanks for being honest. Thanks for opening up with everybody. Because, like, you know, I think whether you're a fan of somebody or you're mocking them, their sneakers on a Instagram accounts. Forget it's hard. It's hard to remember sometimes that there's real people on the other side of that. You know? Oh yeah. So, oh yeah. Oh, cool. Uh, go check out the tour, everybody. Yeah. Understand. was Andy Minio. Make sure to check out his four-chapter EP project. The first two installments, The Arrow and The Sword, are out now. Hey, if you like this episode of Unedited, I'd love your help spreading word about the show. Subscribing, rating, and reviewing it on Apple Podcasts helps a ton, as well as sharing it on social media. And don't forget to subscribe to Relevant Magazine. We're running a great deal right now at relevantmagazine.com slash subscribe. Don't miss our next episode of Unedited when I'm joined by Jamie Torkowski, founder of the mental health nonprofit to write love on her arms. Thanks for listening. I'm Cameron Strang. I'll see you next time here on Unedited. Relevant Podcast Network.